the morning after my son's accident, walking down the stairs and turning to my husband and saying, I wish I could just fast forward a year because I don't know how to do this. I don't know how I'm going to live without my son. And now I'm able to say, I don't let myself think like that. I am able to say I'm so thankful and blessed that I was given 17 and a half years to be his mother because I would have rather had that than never have had that experience at all. So it took a lot of work and a lot of practice using mindfulness and a gratitude list. And I would just shift my focus if I started to go down the rabbit hole of grief. Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. I'm your host, May Bugenhagen. I am the owner of Two Asian Matchmakers, a boutique matchmaking company that serves men who want to be the paying client to have me help them find them a lovely Asian woman. On my podcast today, we're going to talk to a guest named Terry Chaplin, and she is a master grief coach and strategic life coaching practitioner currently residing in Tampa, Florida with her husband and stepson. She is a dedicated professional who supports <laughs> others in finding their inner strength and reclaiming their lives after loss. Thank you for joining me on the show, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Great, great, great. I love talking about dating, of course. And I know, you know, on the podcast, it takes us to a lot of different directions. And there's a very important uh, concept we're talking today, which is the topic of finding love after going through grief and losing a lost you know, lost one in your life and things like that. So I hope you don't mind if we talk about some tough questions and tough topics today. But can you tell the audience a little bit about how you got started and what made you become a master grief coach and how that all started for you with your journey? Sure. Um, so I had been in the same industry uh, career-wise for almost 30 years and uh, had decided to make a few changes in my life. My husband and I relocated and I left that position. And uh, after getting settled in here in Tampa, I was you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And the one thing that kept coming up for me was supporting other people who were grieving a loss. I felt like that was something um, that was important to me because in I had lost my first husband in 2005. He passed away due to kidney failure. And then uh, my son and only child was killed in a car accident in August of 2012. And uh, it was really the loss of my son that um, propelled me really into learning more, um, educating myself about grief. I found it difficult to find grief specific support for myself. And so I really leaned on myself a lot for, um, I read a lot of books, um, watched documentaries. I just, just anything I could get my hands on about, um, grief and healing myself and working on my mindset because it's a, um, it can be a whirlwind and, and I feel like, you know, losing a child for me, is the greatest loss, um, that we can suffer. It's, it's doesn't compare, nothing prepared me for it. And I wanted to find a way to make meaning from that loss. I wanted to find a way to honor the life of my son 
um, by doing something to give back, to serve others. And um, I found myself naturally reaching out to people who had lost a significant person in their life, especially other bereaved parents. Um, And so in trying to decide, you know, what I wanted to spend my time doing, um, I decided to get my certification as a master grief coach and start my own um, coaching business. So I talk to people. I have, um, I do one-on-one coaching sessions where I really help people, um, you know, a, discover, you know, what's holding them back, why they may be stuck in grief and help them learn to heal and um, really embrace life after losing um, someone special. And when did you start your master grief coaching? What year? Um, I started in 2019. Okay. Okay. So what would you say the biggest difference between grieving for a spouse versus a child in your opinion? Um, yeah. And this would really just be my opinion. I just want to preface that for, for me, um, after losing my, my spouse, I mean, there's a, so many things that you grieve the loss of the, the, the future that you had planned together. Um, just the other person in your life that helps you make decisions on a daily basis. You know, we were raising our son together. Um, we had these, you know, all these plans as a family planned vacations. So it was learning to do, um, the daily things the running a household, raising my child, making all these important decisions by myself now, um, without someone there to do that. And I really found myself, um, focusing on my son at that time, you know, after losing his dad, focusing on his grief, his grief, he really struggled with that. Um, So focusing my time and attention on helping him, you know, to um, figure out his way through and how to process his grief. And then in losing my son, um, I know for me, I, I feel like it's almost different for a mom than it is for a dad. Even I, I feel like that bond or connection that we have from being pregnant and carrying our child with us for nine months. It's, it's a, it's a very special, unique thing that I shared with him and, um, you know, having lost him and and we had that traditional mother son relationship where he was definitely mommy's little boy. So that like, he was my person Um, and losing him. I had, I, I dealt with so much as far as all of the unrealized dreams for his future, all of the plans that, you know, going to college, you know, he hadn't had a girlfriend yet. He was 17, just two weeks shy of his 18th birthday. So I did see him graduate from high school, but you know, there would be no college graduation. There would be no girlfriends. There would be no marriage falling in love. You know, I would never be a grandmother, which was something I always look forward to doing. So Um, and it's just, it's not a natural thing for a parent. You never think, you know, you aren't supposed to still be here when your child isn't, it's supposed to be the other way around. So it just goes against nature. And so I really struggled with that. I just really struggled with, um, you know, figuring out how to process the fact that he was never coming back. There would never be those things and just accepting them. And, you know, um, 
guilt is another thing that we deal with after law. So I had, um, even though I, I feel like I did the best that I could for him with his grief for his dad, I still struggle with some issues that, you know, very personal issues about how I handled it. Did I give him enough support for him? So um, I just think at losing a child, just it's because it just goes against everything um, as far as how the world is supposed to work. So then you started reading books, watching documentaries, trying to get anything on the topic to try to figure out for you to how to process this. Like how long did that take you? And did you, what was your first step into living with this grief? Like what, looking back, what do you think was the thing that helped you the most? Um, that's easy for me. Um, and it's something I don't talk about a lot because I worry about um, the whole judgment part of grief and um, the beliefs that other people hold. So while this is something that was monumental and life-changing for me, I respect that it's not the same for everyone. But I was not a believer in anything spiritual by no means. And after my son's accident, I started reading all of these things. Um, I was hearing, reading stories about life after death or near death, death experiences that people had had, and they were documented in, in books. And it, and I found it so interesting. And then uh, a friend of mine relayed an experience to me that she had had visiting a psychic medium and how this person had shared with her um, something very personal about her relationship with her mother who had passed away. And, you know, it just, it was intriguing. And I, there was a moment um, at my son's uh, prayer services when I went to up to see his body for the first time where I felt like um, there was just something inside of me telling me like, there has to be something more like this, this can't be it. Like, I have to search for more information. And so all of that led me to making an appointment with a psychic medium um, who came highly recommended. And I was, I knew that I needed to believe it with 100% certainty for it to make a difference in my life. And so I created a, a fake name, a fake email. I never gave a phone number and didn't speak with her on the phone. Um, and I scheduled an appointment. And um, my son's story um, was really big in our community. He was a volunteer for our local sheriff's office. So um, he had a whole sheriff's office. They gave him an, the, the whole honors funeral and the honor guard carried his casket. So his story was publicized and, and there was just a lot of talk of it. And so I didn't want her to be biased by that. I needed to know that whatever she told me was like it had to be real. So um, we went, I took a picture of my son with me, which is what she asked us to bring. And she prefaced, she started right off when I told her his name and she looked at his picture by letting us know that she already had some knowledge of who he was as soon as she saw his picture and heard his name. And she let us, she was very forthcoming about what she already knew of our loss. And, um, but the things that she went on to tell me, the specific stories and this one in particular about this little dance that my son used to do and when he, he would tell me that he loved me um, was nothing, no one ever knew. It was just something very private between us. And um, 
she shared that she actually did the little move and it was the craziest thing to me, but, um, we spent an hour with her and the things that she told us and recanted were not things anyone could have known. And I walked out of there that day. Um, like it was a game changer because now all of the things that I were thinking, like, like, it's so sad that I can't tell him this, or he doesn't see this, like his funeral, he was, um, deputized at his funeral um, we were presented with a badge that was his dream of becoming a deputy and all that happened for him and he didn't get to see it. I thought, you know, what an injustice this is. It's, it's just so unfair that his biggest dream came true and he doesn't get to know about it. But after that visit, I realized that he did know about it. And I realized that he was the driving force pushing me to seek more information and to go to this medium and to be open-minded and, and keep my heart open to new things. And in doing so, it just, um, it gave me such a sense of comfort to know that he did see those things. And I feel like even today, he still shows me signs that he's around sometimes when I need him the most. And, um, it's, it's just given me a level of comfort that, um, that I really needed. And it, that was the starting point of, of things changing for me. How many months or years into that? Like how, what was the timeline? I went to see her the first time within the first month of his accident. Okay. okay. And I, I saw her a few more times um, after that. And it was always the same positive experience. <clears throat> I am a big fan of that. I've gone to mediums before with my friend who had a father that passed away and it was kind of like incomplete for her to say bye, but going through the experience with the medium, she really felt like he came through, crossed over and uh, communicated a lot of this stuff to her, which gave her a sense of calm and at peace with the decision sure. they made when they had to pull the plug and all that stuff because of a major car accident and leaving him um you know disabled and things like that so I believed in that and I've gone with her to see a few mediums since then and even with other friends with somebody that they lost and that can you know cross over and communicate with them through the medium. So mm. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. It's almost like a sense of closure, but comfort and knowing that, okay, I feel like if I wanted to speak to my father who passed away a year and a half ago, that I just speak out loud and he'll hear me. Like I have a sense mm. of feeling like, okay, the people who've moved on and passed on, they can hear us. Like you just and there are signs that they give us throughout the day that shows that they're near us and that they're watching over us. I mean, I know a lot of people don't believe in that. Um, I'm not Christian or anything like that. I'm Buddhist. So I come from a lot of that teaching anyway from my mom. So I totally believe in that stuff. That's good that you found comfort uh, after a month after he passed. So um, do you suggest uh, your clients visit mediums and things like that to help with their healing or no? Like where does uh, visiting a medium come into your practice? 
Um, well, it, it depends. It's really something um, I don't have a cookie cutter way of dealing with any client. Grief is a very unique journey for each individual. And so I take it and, and I don't share my personal loss with everyone. It's something that I've learned to share if the time is right. And I typically will ask first if they're comfortable. If I feel like it's something that would help them, um, I'll ask first if they're comfortable with that. Most people are. I don't, I don't think I've ever had anyone tell me they weren't comfortable or they didn't want to, but um, I never want to take away from their experience or make it about me. But there are times when it's beneficial to them. And um, I always ask to, you know, what their beliefs are, if that's something they believe in and, and let them know that, you know, I did have this experience. I'm willing to share it. If it's something you're open to hearing, I don't push it on anyone. Um, but I definitely will share. And I do share, um, through my social media outlets, um, to let people know when I've had those experiences and about my first, um, visit, um, there's, I have a chapter um, that was published in a book recently uh, earlier this year, and it talks about um, that part of my journey as well, because for me, it's like, that was a pivotal moment. Um, it took a lot of work to learn how to master my mindset and to, you know, control my emotions and to really embrace life again and find a way to make meaning from my loss um, so that I was okay with it. But for me, that really changed um, everything for it. It allowed me to, to, to stop like the, the really like depressed, sad state because all of a sudden the finality was kind of like not there. He's, you know, he was gone in the flesh, but he had, you know, our, when we love people and we know people, they have all these unique characteristics that make them who they are, that make them special. And that's how you define them. And, and, you know, to be able to say, you know, just because your physical body is no longer here, what happens to all that uniqueness? What happens to all those quirks and that personality? Like, that's what I think goes on you know, goes on and still exists, their soul, their spirit, you know, however you want to define that. But um, so, yeah, I share it when, um, if I feel the time is right. And if the person is open to, um, to, to hearing that, that type of thing. And, and, and I really find that by asking them if they're okay with that and they, if they want to hear it. Yeah. So knowing what you know today about um, dealing with grief and when you lost your husband in 2005, how do you suggest a woman or a man start dating again after they lose their spouse? Um, what are some of your tips or suggestions for them? Well, my first thing would be um, society places a lot of um, rules on us and um, places a lot of judgment on especially widows, um, our family, we'll get it from our family and friends also, if they see you uh, out enjoying your life, doing something fun or dating, which is the big one. Um, oftentimes you'll get, you know, negative feedback about, you know, the timeline, if people think it's too soon um, for you to be dating or the other way around if they think that you're not moving on quick enough and my biggest piece of advice to anyone after losing 
their significant other is to just be gentle with yourself, allow yourself the time and the space that you need to heal. And only you will know when you've reached a, a point where you're ready to open yourself up to finding love again or experiencing love again and, and being open and able to give yourself to someone else. And when you feel it's right, that's when you should do it. I know it's really difficult for us to not hear that chatter from other people and let it, you know, not let it make a difference and not let it change our path. But I also, I think it's more important that we stay true to ourselves and follow the path that feels right to us. So I, if it, if it feels right to you, if it's been six months, if it's been two months, if you, you know, it's hard to find someone to love and to have a healthy relationship with. It's really true. Love is hard to find sometimes. So if you find that, no matter what the time frame is in your journey, if it feels right for you, then I say, do you go for it? Um, and just be open with the new person about your loss to say, you know, Hey, this is, this is what I've experienced. This is where I'm at with it. I'm open to this new relationship, but you know, there may be times where, you know, because grief ebbs and flows, it comes at the most inopportune times. There may be times where something will remind me or trigger me and I may need a moment. And if that happens, then I'll just let you know, like, hey, I just need a moment. And but being open about it and communicating to the other person is, I think, is really important because they may not know anything about grief. They may not have experienced it. And the only way they're going to know about it and know what they can do to support us is if we tell them and if we're open about that. Would you suggest that somebody who loses their spouse before they start dating and meeting new people that they do some kind of grief counseling or therapy? Or is that, do you feel like that's a necessary necessity? Um, for the most part, I do. Um, for the most part, I, I don't think, I think we all have the ability inside of us to heal. We just don't know how to do that. We just don't know. And sometimes like for me with, um, grief coaching, um, it's probably more of a, an interpersonal relationship. I help people on, on all avenues of their life when it comes to grief, as far as self-care. Um, I work on self-confidence. I, you know, we work through whatever may be holding them back. Guilt is a big thing um, that I work through with people. Um, and we don't always know how to do that on our own. And that's okay. Like, I think a lot of people have, there's a stigma attached to seeking support. Like um, it's something bad or something negative. And it's, for me, I think it's a great act of self-love. I don't think there's anything greater you can do when you're mourning a loss than to seek support, whether it be from, you know, a, a coach, a therapist, you know, whatever that modality may be. But I think having someone who is a professional to guide you on the process and to help you and give you tools that you may need to uncover, you know, the, the, feelings of guilt and where that's coming from and to work through that or help you with anxiety um, or learning how to, you know, 
change your unconstructive thoughts, make meaning out of your loss. There's so many things that I work with people on that they otherwise wouldn't know how to do or wouldn't even know that it was in them to to be able to change this. Um, they just think they have to just stay stuck in in grief. So I highly recommend um, seeking support. I think it's one of the best things that you can do for yourself. It's a, it's a great investment in your, in yourself, um, and just taking care of yourself. Would you say that seeking help, like a grief counselor or grief coach, you'll just get to a better place in half the time, like a shortcut, like it's, you know, I'm just picturing like a man who has no friends to really talk to them about this and he just keeps it bottled up and he doesn't know how to deal with it or talk about it or process it versus women. I feel like they at least have a social group that can help them, even though they're not professional therapists or coaches or anything like that, but at least they have someone to bounce ideas and feelings to does that make sense? Like for a man, he just really needs to actively seek help to try to get to a better place sooner. Do you find that you have more women clients versus male clients or no? Um, I actually, I've actually had quite a few male clients, but I would say I have more women clients than male because I feel like it's more so for men, they feel like there's a stigma attached to, and you know, the, the whole bravado, like I'm like, I don't need therapy. I don't need to talk to someone like, um, and pride gets in the way, you know, whatever it is. But I definitely think for men, um, I can see what you're saying as being true where they don't, their guy friends, they may not be comfortable bearing their soul to their guy friends. You know, I'm sure there's going to be the exception to the rule where you do have another kind, gentle soul that you can talk to about it. But I would definitely say overall for men and women, um, seeking professional help will definitely help you faster than if you like keeping it inside doesn't help you keeping it inside. And then you suffer another loss and you keep that inside it just becomes complicated grief. And then it's really hard to process. And you really have to go back and, and work the process through each loss and not leave any stone unturned and make sure that you're at peace. Because if you're not truly at peace, it's still in the back of your mind. It's still something you feel guilt over or, or whatever the emotions are. If you don't process them and get them out and speak them and put them out in the universe and you know free yourself of them, it can really keep you stuck in grief and it'll just come out in your life in different ways. I'm, I've had clients, one in particular really comes to mind who she couldn't even go into work. Sometimes she was calling in sick to work because the anxiety, she was just having anxiety and she didn't know why, but she had suffered five losses and hadn't processed any of them. And the anxiety was really and just coming from the fact that she hadn't processed these losses. And she was so afraid that if she went to work in a male dominated industry and her grief reared its ugly head and she started crying at work, that would be unacceptable. They'd see her as weak. Um, so, you know, we just worked through each and every one of them and she no longer has, you know, anxiety. She's 
doing much better, goes to work every day, um, and it's not affecting your career. But it can affect your life in so many ways if you don't work through the process and you don't get those things out of you. It's, it can be really toxic. So let's say a man or a woman has suffered a loss and they aren't ready to seek help to talk to a grief coach or do a grief uh, group coaching or any of that stuff yet, what would you suggest they do? I mean, how would you suggest they start if they just don't know where to start? Yeah, if they're not ready to seek professional help, um, one of my uh, best suggestions would be to journal, to put pen to paper, because um, that helps tremendously in getting all of those jumbled thoughts. That's where it causes us to become overwhelmed and become anxious because we have so much going on in our head. And you can't, sometimes it's so much that you can't process it. And then that becomes overwhelming, which in turn causes anxiety. And then that causes panic attacks. Writing things down is a way of getting them out of your head and onto paper. And it's a good way to reflect back too, especially if you continuously journal, you can reflect back on a later time and see how you, you know, how you've progressed. But um, I, I definitely don't know that I'd recommend just talking to a, a total stranger on the subway, but um, <laughs> if you don't have a friend or a person, even if you do have a friend, even if you talk to a professional, I recommend journaling to all of my clients too, like taking notes, writing things down. One of the things that I use with my clients, and it's something, it's a process that we will work through step-by-step step because it's hard, is writing a goodbye letter. Um, and a goodbye letter for me is all encompassing of everything good and bad that you want to say and you feel like you didn't get a chance to say. Um, so we will work through writing a goodbye letter over time and saying anything you wish you hadn't said, anything you wish you had said, um, what you loved most about them, anything you feel guilt surrounding. Uh, and when we're all done, I just ask them to either stand in front of the mirror and read it aloud, or if they have a trusted confidant, sometimes that's me, um, to read it aloud and put it out in the universe and and kind of let it let it all go. And that that tends to help too. So it's really just about getting all the stuff that's in your mind, just getting it out somehow, even if it's just writing it down to yourself. I feel like when they're reading that letter out loud or even thinking of as they're composing that letter, I feel like there's someone who they're addressing it to can read their thoughts or know what's going on. I just feel like that's a way of communicating with um, someone who's moved on is they, they know so much. I feel like they can um, watch us and, you know, protect us and all that. So maybe that's just me. But um, what are, uh, I meant to ask you, what are some things that someone should remember when it comes to communication with someone that is mourning a loss? Like, are there certain things that we should say as a dater, as a single person to someone that we know that just lost someone? Um, well, I think it's not so much about what you say, but just about um, the thing we need most after losing someone we love or suffering a loss is just someone to listen to us. So um, 
active listening is probably one of the best things that you can do. So offer to sit with them and just listen if they want someone to talk to you just about all the things that you and I just discussed and not necessarily to, to give advice or to offer an opinion, um, but just to sit with them and to, to listen to them and let them know that you're there, that you care that you you are a nurturing safe space to share um and to be careful not to place judgment on what they share because sometimes if you do that um they may not be so apt to share with you in the future but just to make yourself available to let them know you care and that you you know you are a good sounding board or want to be a sounding board and encourage them to to tell you what they need and how you can best support them. Um, and sometimes I tell people, if you see a need, because people will say all the time to someone who's grieving a loss, I'm so sorry for your loss. If you need anything, please let me know. In my experience, they don't really mean that. It's, it's sad to say, but most people, there are the chosen few, but most people don't really mean that. They're not going to be there to do something for you. And the person who's grieving the loss is most of the time not going to ask. So if you see something that they need done or know something you could do that would be a support or a help to them, I just say, do it. If you know that they're not going to be cooking for themselves, make them a meal or take them out to lunch to get them out of the house, take them out to dinner. Um, if flowers brighten their day, bring them, you know, bring them flowers, and most importantly, talk about their loved one with them. Talk about it, provide a safe space, share stories. If you knew the person that passed away, share stories with them. Um, because people uh, often have the misconception that they don't want to bring up your loved one because they're afraid it will make you sad. And, you know, it's not going to make them sad. They're already sad. It is like music to their ears sometimes when someone wants to talk about their loved one. And it's kind of a way of helping to, them to keep their memory alive, which we all love to do. We all have a fear that the world is going to forget about this person that we love so much. So having someone that you can talk to about them and share stories with uh, is sometimes a really big comfort to them. How do you honor the memory of your first husband and your son? What do you do? I mean, it's been uh, since 2005 when your husband passed in 2012 since your son. So that's what, almost 11 years since your son passed. Like, how do you honor the their lives? Um, well, in the, in the beginning, um, I've done things like um, a few times I've done butterfly releases on the anniversary um, of my son's passing, which is one of my favorite things to do. Butterflies play such a big role in my life now. I feel like that's one of the ways he shows me. And um, at his funeral service, um, many people talked about him and they talked about the metamorphosis of a butterfly. There was also an article written about him showing the last, like last several months of his life, how he found a place where he felt like he really belonged at the sheriff's department and he just transformed like a, a butterfly. So we had butterfly releases. We'll go to their favorite restaurant and order their favorite food. But mostly for me, I honor their lives by giving back to other people. I I have a 
Um, I facilitate a support group on Facebook for bereaved parents. And then I also have a, a group called Living in Gratitude with TLC that I facilitate on Facebook. Um, that's I share light grief support and just daily motivation to help people as a way of, of giving back and, and honoring my losses and to, to try to help people who are um, also mourning a loss and just my work and, and being a grief coach is the biggest way that I honor their lives. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for sharing your stories. I know that I hope this is a good resource for somebody listening that might have this moment like, okay, I, maybe I should talk to somebody. Maybe I should talk to a grief coach or get involved in some kind of group counseling session where they can help with this. Cause like you said, it's uh, never something you forget in your life. You just learn to live with it differently, right? Like you're, can you talk sure. a little bit about that? How you live with it? How, what's your mindset? Like how you are now compared to when you were extremely, extremely sad, you know, 11 years ago. Sure. So, yeah. Sure. It's um a lot of it has to do with perspective and how I've learned to change um, the focus of my thoughts um, over time, because a, a lot of times, and I can remember a specific incident the morning after my son's accident, walking down the stairs and turning to my husband and saying, I wish I could just fast forward a year because I don't know how to do this. I don't know how I'm going to live without my son. And now I'm able to say, I don't let myself think like that. I am able to say I'm so thankful and blessed that I was given 17 and a half years to be his mother, because I would have rather had that than never have had that experience at all. So it took a lot of work and a lot of practice um, using mindfulness and a gratitude list that I kept on hand at all times. and. I would just shift my focus if I started to go down the rabbit hole of grief and um, feel myself getting sucked into just wanting to be super sad and cry, then I would pull out my gratitude list and change my focus, shift my focus to something happy that I was grateful for when it came to my son. Um, and I learned, you know, to think about it in a different way. Like I was given the honor of being his mother, but it didn't come with a promise of 50 years or a hundred years or 30 years. I was just given that honor. So I'm choosing to be grateful for the almost 18 years that I had instead of being sad for the rest of it that I didn't have. So it's just about shifting your focus and it takes intentional work, but over time, when you do it repeatedly over and over and over again, you can really change your mindset. You can really make it so that those negative thoughts come up less and less often. And that's part of the work that I do with my coaching clients. It's like exercising your gratitude muscle more than your sadness muscle. So yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. I will put all of your contact information in the show notes, but any last parting tips or suggestions or comments to the audience before I let you go? I'm just so thankful to be here. Um, I just encourage you all to 
um, remember that your grief is not going to look like anyone else's grief. So um, try really hard not to compare to someone else's or think, oh, why am I still stuck in grief? Why are they not? Everyone's grief is unique to them. So show yourself grace. Grief is hard. It's hard. And most of what you're feeling is probably normal, but I encourage you to um, seek support from someone um, and a professional if needed. And I promise you, it will be the best thing you've ever done for yourself. Thank you, Terry. And audience Thank you. out there, if you're looking to research a matchmaker, men out there, if you're looking to hire a matchmaker, please find me at twoasianmatchmakers.com. Ladies, if you're single, I'm always on the lookout for quality, quality women who are looking for real relationships. So find me at twoasianmatchmakers.com. And thank you for joining me on the Asian Dating Podcast today. Thank you, Terry, and I will talk to you soon. Okay, bye everybody. Bye. Thank you.